Hope FM, Faith Filled Radio. Well, Sally Nevitt is the older persons director at Emmanuel Church in uh, Southbourne. Uh, good morning to you, Sally. Um, good morning, Blair. Well, of course, I can picture you now. Of course, you've been uh, you've been uh, you know putting your feet up there and nothing much to do over these last uh, 13, 12 weeks of lockdown, however long it, it's been. Uh, uh, am I right? Uh, no. <laughs> you, you, surpri- no um, you surprise me. You mean so you, you haven't been having a bit of a holiday? Uh, not really, Blair. No, it's been a bit, bit restricted where I can go and what I can do. And uh, <laughs> I like holidays that are a bit freer than that. Uh, but I've been, keep, I've been keeping busy. I mean, I jest, of course, because obviously lots and lots of people have been, have been furloughed and so on. But I guess the truth of the matter is that you have been probably busier than, than you've ever been. Uh, quite a lot of older people, of course, uh, don't have uh, access to technology. And even if they did have access to it, some of them struggle. When you realised, you know, that, that this COVID-19 was going to have profound effect, that the, the church couldn't meet in the way it was before, what, what was going through your head? Um, I was really worried for um, the people that I know who are not connected, um, not using technology, um, I knew that the church would come up with lots of very innovative ways to reach people who would uh, be able to access things like Zoom and uh, uh, Facebook and that kind of thing. But a lot of the people I work with, as you said, either don't really get on very well with technolo- technology or, or don't have it at all. Um, so it was how we could help support them uh, that became really the, the imperative. So how did you go about that challenge? What sort of things have you been able to do? Well, initially, we started off by um, having uh, regular phone conversations with people. So there's a whole team of us who split, um, not just the people from church, but all the people who come to the church building during the course of our, our week. Um, so we've been ringing them up regularly, making sure they're okay, um, arranging shopping if necessary, prescriptions, and also um, offering them some spiritual, spiritual support where appropriate. So... That was where we started off, um, but we realised as time's gone on and we're not going to be able to get back to normal anytime soon, we really needed to offer something more than that, and that's the project I'm working on at the moment. Now, obviously, uh, it comes down to coping mechanisms for many people, and I guess that for many people, and particularly for older people, the folk that you would normally work with, that the threat of isolation and being cut off, because of course a number of them would also have had to stay in their homes uh, because of, uh, mm. you know, because of either their age or, be, or because they, perhaps they had some some form of, of illness or whatever. And, and there's been quite quite large numbers at Emmanuel in that bracket, isn't there? A significant number of, of um, our people would fall into that bracket, and we've got quite a few that are, are shielding, so they're literally not leaving their front doors. And if you live on your own, um, that's equivalent to solitary confinement. Um, it, it's a, you know, not an easy thing for people to deal with, um, particularly if they're not using technology. So uh, we've been working on a project to, con- to, to connect them, literally, um, with each other, um, and we've called that Project Connected because that's what we're doing. And it's about using the technology that they are familiar with, their landlines, as a way of keeping in touch. Um, so we've trialled that for the last couple of weeks, and uh, soon we're going to be rolling it out. So it, there'll be something available not just to the people that we're currently connecting with, but we're going to advertise 
beyond that and hopefully connect with anybody in the area who is struggling to be connected with their local community. Now, I know you've been very encouraged because you've had, uh, you know, was it 11 or 12 people in your in your last session? Uh, uh, clearly, it's, it's meeting a need. What do those people say? What's their response at being able to not just talk to, to you, Sally, but to talk to one another? It's been really, really good. Um, one one lady, the first week we, we met this way, said she finally felt connected with her church again. And by that, she didn't mean the physical building. She meant the church community. Um, and we did a, a short service the first week just to sort of see how it went with, with whether people could hear okay, whether there were any problems that way. And then last week, we took it a step further. And as part of it, we did a, a, a virtual communion at the end of the service and well, people were in tears, actually. Some of, some of the ladies were really, really moved by it. And uh, I've had a lot of encouragement to continue it and, and to develop it even further. Now, of course, we've always known that, that the church in itself isn't, isn't a building. It's, it's the people of God, you know, uh, where they are. Do you think that, that everything that everybody's had to go through in, in, the, in these recent days, do you think it'll ever be the same again? Would you want it to be the same again? I think we've got an opportunity to um, prune, I guess, um, and look at what we've done in the past that's good and and we should be keeping on. But what we could perhaps change or what perhaps there are even things that might have come to the end of their season and it wouldn't be appropriate to restart them. So I think the church, both the building and the things that go on within it, will look different. And I think that's a good thing and not not something to be frightened of, but something to be... You know, excited and encouraged about. Of course, one of the things that has been happening is, and you you actually said it a moment or two ago with the with the project connected that you you, you opening the invitation to people wherever they are, whether they were you know connected into a manual or or not. And I guess that 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 whole outreach of church community is is really important, and I know it's important to Fogo de Manuel. Definitely. And I think this is an opportunity which we wouldn't have seen um, the chance to seize before. Um, but we're looking at things with fresh eyes. We're, we're looking at, you know, how we can reach beyond the church doors. And, yeah, I think it's quite exciting that, that we've got something to do now, that which we've, we've never even thought of doing. Hope FM, Faith-Filled Radio. Well, of course, every good church uh, needs, uh, well, leaders, good leaders at the helm. And, uh, and Emmanuel has, uh, is blessed to have a number of people who are involved at different levels of the church's work and ministry. But the man who coordinates all of that is the church minister, Peter Southcombe. Good morning to you, Peter. Good morning, Blair. Good morning, listeners. Now, before we talk about about Emmanuel and, and all of that, let, let's talk a wee bit about you. So, what what was your faith journey like? How, how did you come to faith yourself way back when? Well, I, I came a Christian um, when I was eight, actually, by a beach mission in Brighton. And uh, I was brought up in a Christian home. I, I gave my heart to the Lord, but my journey was far from close to God, really. And through the teenage years struggling, saw a friend of mine, two from my friends who were 15, killed in front of us on a motorbike accident. They really challenged challenged me to say, well, where is God in all this? Um, and I spent uh, probably a few years just struggling. Uh, and then I saw God move mightily when 
suddenly uh, I'm, I'd moved to Devon by then, uh, and over the summer holidays, I saw 90% of our, of our fifth form become Christians, uh, and I was then leading the Christian Union. Suddenly, whoosh, we had to start doing uh, sort of discipleship classes with a lot of people at school every day, mm. uh, and that was a great joy, a great thrill, and began to realize God, God was there, and... Uh, he still loved us, still cared for us, had a mission and a purpose for us, had a plan for my life. That, that's the important thing for me. Um, he, he has a plan. It gives me opportunities. And um, I suppose that little, little phrase in Esther that says, um, you know, God's giving you an opportunity just for such a time as this. Uh, so I'm all about taking opportunities, going for it, saying yes to people and encouraging people to move forward in, in faith and try new ideas um, you know, and let's just explore what God has for us. Well, we'll talk about your, your entrepreneurship uh, a wee bit later on. But of course, you know, from your teenage years, and you mentioned about that profound effect that the, that, that, that mission mm-hmm. of God drawing close. Of course, the only thing about it is when when you go through those sorts of experiences, it can, can sort of ruin you, can't you? Because you, you think, gosh... Do it again, <laughs> and I guess that that, yeah. that that never leaves you, does it? No, I just I just want to. I know God is at work, um, uh, even in this time of COVID. God is at work, uh, honing people, trust, getting them closer to Him, spending more time in prayer. Yeah, uh, you know, um, I want God to to do more. Well, He is doing more. But I want to see and understand what He's doing and why, and just be part of it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just hungry for for him, really. Well, of course, that's, I mean, that's a place where I guess all of us as Christians should be, you know, wherever we are in our faith journey, just hungering and, 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 and wanting more. Of course, for mm. you, I mean, you didn't immediately go into the world of, of ministry and that sort of thing mm-hmm. because you became, you became uh, well, you became a shepherd, didn't you? Yeah, well, I, I moved to Ottery St. Mary, um, and um, my father-in-law, or my then-to-be father-in-law, was the pastor of the Evangelical Church. Uh, I fell in love with his daughter, uh, Ruth, and we've been married 40 years. Uh, and But I went off to be agriculturalist and trained as a, as a farmer, a farm manager, came back and um, worked as a potato expert for six years. So when you were doing all of that, were you were you doing sort of church work on uh, you know, on the side? You were involved with, with your father-in-law's church and whatever, sort of like a parallel experience. You know, you were earning to you know, working to make a living and so on, but obviously doing. Yeah, doing I, I was. Yeah, I was. I was working in all sorts of churches. So I I had different placements and different ch- uh, farms that I had to work on. One up in North Devon. Um, called the net and went over to that and to some other youth ex- exchanges but at Otter St Mary my father-in-law gave me the opportunity to to preach uh, and to to speak a lot more I was running the youth club with some other people and we had a we, we began to see God at work again uh, in, in a miraculous way of just touching people's lives and changing them um, but it was my father-in-law that encouraged us I mean, Ruth and I, uh, I, I was doing some part-time studying, uh, and Ruth and I were wondering about full-time ministry. And we said, to, I remember saying to her as we left for church one morning, 
you know, we, we need to know God wants us to do this. Um, so we went down to church. Uh, after church, a little old lady, Miss Bridgman, came up to us and said, Peter, have you applied for ministry yet? Why not? <laughs> um, and you think, when God speaks to you like that, uh, you ought to respond. And that was in January. And by September, which is unheard of, I, I was in Cambridge uh, studying. Mm. Uh, well, isn't it amazing how God uses the, the sometimes the most unexpected people in our lives to, to confirm yeah. the direction that he wants to go? And of course, also, I mean, Jesus himself often referred to, you know, farming stories and often referred uh, uh, to sheep. In fact, he said he was he was the good shepherd. Have you found that it, even your agricultural training now, as you are now you, you're ministering at Emmanuel, uh, that you're able to dip into all those things, whether it be potatoes <laughs> or whether <coughs> or whether it be, you know, shepherding? Well, during my training, I actually went over to Israel and spent some time looking at the agricultural uh, practices of Israel and how they uh, relate into the parables that we find in the New Testament. So, yeah, I'm, I managed to put my theology and my early training together. And suddenly, as you understand what was going on uh, in the, on the land, you begin to unpack so much more of, of what, was go- what we find in our New Testament. Was, you, were your, was your theological training years, was that a real positive experience? I know, I know that sometimes when people go to some theological colleges, it cannot be so positive, but what was it like for you? Uh, it was a struggle. Uh, it challenged me. Um, I was not at a strong evangelical college, but um, I remember being asked by my then principal, he said, well, Peter, you've come to the end. How how do you feel? Um, and I said, well, I've listened to a whole, all sorts of theories, but I'm now more and more convinced about the love of God um, and how he just loves us and wants us to respond to that love and that we must share this good news with other people. So, uh, so. so at the other side of, of, uh, of training you come, and uh, did you know what you wanted to do as you, as you completed your course? Well, it was training to be a pastor um, of a church. So you always so wanted, we didn't you know always when. Knew, yeah. Yeah, so that, that was the, the end that we were looking towards. Um, Ruth and I then moved to Brixham and Dartmouth, for six years, uh, and we pastored church there, and the Dartmouth church is going on really beautifully now at the moment. If anybody goes to Dartmouth, go and find Flavel Church, a good Puritan, um, back in the uh, centuries ago, you know, standing true and firm. He, he was persecuted, but he went and found a rock that he could preach from. Uh, fancy that, you know? <laughs> you think you, we've got it hard now, but when you read the history you realize what these early pastors went through. Um, so that was our first church. I enjoyed that, very different. I was also chaplain up at the Naval College, which was a completely different experience. And then from there, we moved to, to Kent, uh, to Rochester, um, and I was the mission enabler as well as a pastor of a little church. And from our little church, all sorts of things grew um, across the network in the conurbation of Medway. Now, of course, this uh, enters your entrepreneurial ability. Have you always been, uh, you know, a dreamer, a person who is able to, particularly in relation to serving uh, communities, because you, you, you're, you're a man who is full of, of ideas, but, but not 
so much pie in the sky because it's it's often rooted in in reaching out to communities did was medway your your real um your real main training for that or, or have you always been that way uh well i've no i've always been that way um when i was 14 i um created uh, got hold of some charts you know when the currency was being decimalized um, I got hold of some charts and went selling those in shops. Uh, I bought them for um, 20p and sold them for a pound. So, um, so yeah, I suppose it's in me. But um, in in Rochester, I lived a past the church, and then we had an idea. We wanted to do something. It was only a small church with about 40 people or so. But I went to see somebody who was just getting rid of their three-piece suite because they had had the colour guru come in um and uh, you know the color that their suite was was not the color that they were recommending so they were getting rid of this suite that was just three months old and from there i went to visit uh, another member of my congregation who was living in uh, a, a one up one down but actually living downstairs because there was a hole in the roof the toilet was down the garden uh she was sleeping on the settee that was really awful uh, and I thought, how could this be? Uh, so we arranged for her to go away on holiday for a day with a friend. And with a friend, we we managed to get this three-piece suite in. She had a new piece. And that, that started Home From Home, which is furniture recycling. Before any, any of this was all thought about, we started recycling furniture and goods. And um, we moved 3,000 pieces of furniture a year. We work in social services. We equip a house, a family would move into a house, we would equip it from top to bottom with social services, uh, we, can, we recycle computers, um, those out of Westminster as well, all before recycling uh, was a fashion, moved a whole load of computers across to Romania, uh, where we, were, we had some partners over there putting computers into schools, computers into a university in Galatz. Um, so we, and if we could recycle it, we, we'd try to do that. So obviously, uh, you eventually arrive uh, at, at Emmanuel, and and, and so on. And um, I, and I guess that that you've seen sort of continual uh, change for the good in terms of, of not just the church, but but the church's interaction with the community. Because I know that that's very very close to your heart that the church becomes relevant to the community in which it finds itself. That's right. We we need to be uh, connected with our community uh, and showing the, the sharing the, the love of God uh, through word and action. Um, and that's that for me is is my passion really. Um, and the church here um, had a, a, a calling um, to say they wanted to see that. They didn't know how to do it, and they called me uh, to be the minister. And I, uh, Ruth and I moved down here nine years ago, uh, and. The rest is history. You know, we've now built this uh, this lovely new centre, which is uh, we run the food bank from it, and we're also running uh, a preschool at the moment from it as well. That's that's reopened. So through all so we, these, we spent one and a half million. <laughs> that's all. So mm. through all these days, Peter, I mean, many many challenges, and I know also you have had your own 
health challenges as well. So life, uh, some people think that, you know, you become a Christian, all your challenges sort of go out the window and so on. Of course, mm. we've heard from Chris and obviously we've heard from from, from yourself and others that, that, it, that it's the challenges, I suppose, that shape us, shape the character uh, yeah, and our dependence up, upon God. Uh, has that been your own experience? Well, I mean, the, just actually looking after a project and getting all the funding in place, and that that has been a challenge. Um, yes, it's taken its toll. I suffer from neuralgia, as you know, and suddenly it can attack, and suddenly I can't find uh, the words. I can't talk. I can't eat. It's so painful, mm. and sometimes that will last a day or two, um, and it's excruciating pain. So. If any of you out there suffering from trigeminal neuralgia, I know exactly how you feel. Um, and, and that does affect your ministry. Um, and you, you do cry out to God, why, why, why? Um, but you know that God has a purpose for you and a plan for you. Um, and sometimes you recognize, actually, there's an evil one around who doesn't want the good things of life and wants to impose things. And so uh, you need just to battle through, trust God, hold on. Um, because he he has an eternal purpose for you. Well, f- finally, um, Peter, as we go forward, I mean, obviously we we've been learning a lot through these uh, these days of COVID nineteen, and and we look forward to being able to meet together face to face in fellowship. But what's your? If I said to you, you know, what what is your vision for the future? I mean, you I know you're a man of many many visions and and dreams but what what's the dominant vision that that you have and your 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 hope and desire for the church um i see the church across the whole of um, bcp working together making such an impact of community transformation and i begin to see it as we uh, work with the council on this um community um conferencing facility you've heard something of the work that sally's been we started all this before the council's work, working with FaithWorks and Prama and just caring for people in their homes um, and just being there, uh, making the faith relevant to people um, so that we might see a renewal of the church and a revival um, across this whole conurbation that people would turn to God. Hope FM, Faith-Filled Radio. Well, uh, Ros Bradbury is a member of Emmanuel. Uh, good, good morning to you, Ros. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Hello. So, tell, <laughs> tell us a wee bit about your faith journey. How, how did you come to faith yourself? Well, it sounds um, a little bit similar to the you know the people you've already spoken to. Um, my friends from Emmanuel. Um, I had um, I had a lovely um, parents, so a lovely background in sort of. Uh, Christianity, and I went to Sunday schools and scripture union, etc., things like that. And um, when I was on a scripture union holiday, I gave my life to the Lord. I think I was about 10. I remember doing it, getting on my hands and knees and really praying to ask Jesus to come into my life. Um, And that was lovely. And then I think I carried on going to a church and joined Covenanters, which was a group for young Christians. But somehow then I did lose my way through my sort of early and late teens, right through to my 20s. Well, I would say, obviously, I moved away from God. He didn't move away from me, but I definitely made choices um, that didn't involve him whatsoever. 
I was living in London at the time and I went um, abroad to different countries to do some different work and I just got on with my life as I saw it then. Um, And then uh, I had this lovely encounter which led to me meeting and marrying my husband but whilst we got to know each other the first couple of dates with him (laughs) I found out um, that he'd gone to a Quaker school boarding school and through us just talking really late into the night just discussing everything about our lives we found this sort of common ground in Christianity which led us both to going to church again and actually finding out more about the Lord so that was a sort of comeback for me and I think you know God had me there on the fishing line I was just drawing (laughs) drawing me back in (laughs) and saying come back come back you know I'm loving you and I want to nurture you Mm. um so that's sort of how I came back into my faith and really I think probably you know really understood it more and understood God and what he was wanting you know, from my life and what I could focus on. But a real turning point for me, Blair, was when we moved from London to Dorset. I'd got no, we just sort of moved and I had no friendships or family living in Dorset. But the local vicar's wife very kindly put me in contact with another girl there who'd also just moved and uh, has now become my very dearest friend, Claire. And she took us to a meeting in Blandford Forum where we experienced the most amazing thing, which was actually the Holy Spirit moving. Mm. And that was, I'd never, I really hadn't had any teaching about the Holy Spirit or the Trinity as such or anything. And it was just such a revelation of the magnitude of the Trinity. And from there onwards, there was sort of, yeah, no stopping me in trying to devour more of what, faith was what god had in store for me and um yeah just looking towards a much more favorable and bright future so that was sort of how it all happened <laughs> quite an, it's, an, <laughs> it's, an, it's incredible the journey that god takes us on isn't it and it is and and oftentimes it's it's through it's through challenges also through our own rebellion you know and, and all. but actually it's interesting what comes out of the the other end of the sausage factory isn't it absolutely <laughs> and, uh, and of course being shy and retiring person yourself you know which i am uh, not <laughs> so, <laughs> so what, what was it that that brought you through the doors of emmanuel well that was a uh, oh, so, you know, it's lovely when you know God's just leading you, leading you. Last summer, uh, my husband and I are now retired, which is fabulous. Um, and we just were deciding what did we want to do with this next section of our life. And it was either stay put in Fordingbridge that we'd lived in for the last, you know, 20, 30 years, um, or did we move somewhere else? And I really was drawn to Southbourne because I felt it had, it was a very vibrant place and music and arts and crafts seemed to feature a lot in Southbourne and those are all things that I'm very passionate about. Mm. And um, so I thought, well, if we were going to make a move, how would, it's a big step and I know people have made huge mistakes in their lives when they move on retirement going from A to B and then maybe regret it. So I said to Vaughan, my husband, 
how about we rent? Because if we rent somewhere in Southbourne for six months, we will really test the waters and see. I said, but the thing is, I've obviously I've got to find a really great church because I'm in a fabulous church in Fordingbridge that's, you know, really uh, my family, and I can't just give all of that up. So I looking, I went to the web, and the very first web page that I was looking at for churches was Emmanuel's, and it was like God just turned the whole light on. It was like, wow, this church is fabulous, lovely website, but it was all the things that they were doing. They were such an um, an R, such an outward-looking church. It wasn't about what we can just do for one another. It was what can we do for the community, what we're providing for the community, different clubs and societies, you know, the lunch clubs, the sort of serving older members of the community, people that are less able, children with the soft play. I mean, there was so, so much. It just seemed so vibrant. And I was in me. I didn't look anywhere else. It was like, oh, thank you, God. Thank you. <laughs> so as soon as we were, we were down there, first Sunday, I'm on my bike and riding along to Emmanuel. And, um, you know, I suppose you can say the rest is history. It's just yeah. they, everyone is so welcoming, Blair, including yourself. I, you know, I felt so at home so quickly with people just making me feel welcomed just as you went through the door, remembering my name, which I always think is terribly important that, you know, if you go once and then you come back, you know, you don't want to be overlo- overlooked. <laughs> no. it was, you know, welcomed again and, you know, making sure I'd got information about the church and what was happening. And um, I just, I'm really so grateful to God that it was just so evident to me, this is where I should be, this is where I can serve the Lord, helping with projects in the community, really immersing myself and getting involved in his family there. And I just love them all. It's just brilliant. I'm so excited about the future and everything else that's, um, um, you know, unwinding in front of me. Hope FM, Faith-Filled Radio. Every good church needs great administrators, people that that oil the wheels and help things to turn. And uh, Madeline is one of those persons. Uh, Good morning to you, Madeline. Morning, Blair. Now, Madeline, obviously you're involved in all sorts of things at Southbourne, but if people have seen people on these strange bicycles uh, driving around, then, of course, that's because it's a project called Cycling Without Age. Tell us just a wee bit, very briefly, about it. What, what is it? Okay, well, Cycling Without Age um, started originally in Denmark in 2012, um, when one of the founders actually wanted to take his mum out on a bike and wanted to find a way to do it. So we've got, this has grown around the world, and Southbourne, or Wessex, as we've named it, CWA Wessex, is lucky enough to have its own chapter, and we've got two of these wonderful trishaws um, and an amazing army of volunteers who take our older friends from the local um, retirement homes out for rides around the seafront and down to Hengisbury Head and places like that. Well, of course, it's taken off, hasn't it? Because, I mean, you you have the job of coordinating, uh, you know, uh, lots of people. And, in fact, I know that one of the things that you need are, are more volunteers, don't you? Well, we're always, we're always looking for more riders. So anybody that's fairly competent on a bicycle um, and is local or can get to the Southbourne area, we run sort of shifts of a couple of hours, although some of our volunteers will do two hours in the morning, take a lunch break, and then do another two hours in the afternoon. 
Um, so anybody that feels led to to help out in that way um, would be very grateful, you know, if they get in touch with us. Uh, the bikes are power-assisted, so you haven't got to pedal two passengers as well as yourself up and down some of the hills around the coast. Um, there's a nice chunky battery that's, that's going to provide that assistance for you. And you've got, I mean, obviously you get great feedback because you get feedback from the people who are doing the cycling, essentially, because uh, they, they love cycling and they love meeting people. But, of course, you've also had uh, tremendous feedback from those who are getting the wind in their hair, I think is the term that you use. Getting, uh, yes, yeah, that's it. Getting outdoors. We, I mean, um, yeah. Yes, well, we have. We, I mean, one of our most regular passengers, in fact, every week, Friday mornings, John has gone along. And she's 106 or maybe even 107 now. And she's there with her coat on, ready to go out. She absolutely loves it and goes out every week for her, you know, for her ride. And again, we have regular passengers, but they just, they just love the opportunity to get out and do something that they can't otherwise do. Um, we can deal with people with quite serious physical limitations. And once we can get them onto the bicycle seat, um, they're away. Um, and then there's no limit on where they can go and how fast they can travel. Hope FM, faith-filled radio. It's time to sing your song again. Well, as we go out of uh, community now this morning, I'll leave uh, the final word to uh, the pastor of Emmanuel Church, uh, Peter. Peter, over to you. Here's a blessing for us all. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen for more inspirational interviews podcasts and hope fm best bits visit hopefm.com forward slash listen again